No one would have blamed today's guest if she had changed her name to Mimi Peak so she could create Peak Experiences Coaching. After all, she'd been a master trainer for Tony Robbins's Robbins Research International and then a top coach in his coaching division for many years. But she didn't have to. She's always been Mimi Peak, and there is no one else quite like her, as you'll discover on today's episode of Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. You are listening to the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast, a show devoted to uncovering the systems and the secrets that set the best apart, where you learn how to take your coaching clients to the next level, while you grow the coaching practice of your dreams. So sit back and relax, or sit up and get excited. Either way, you might want to pay attention. This could be important. Welcome, Mimi Peak, to the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. It's so nice to see you again. It is just wonderful to see you. It's been so many years. And one of the things I want to say to you is, in all these years, your name is always associated with brilliance, hard work, and that amazing ability from um, Milton Erickson and the Ericksonian work that is like magic for people that don't understand it. For people who do understand it, they got it. But that's the impression that I have whenever I hear your name. So. Oh, that's that's very nice. That's the very nice. Thank you so much. You always say the nicest things. <laughs> <laughs> I have trained myself, just like Milton might do, to notice what's going well. Oh, well, thank you. So just for the people that don't know, and that's probably most everyone that's listening, is that we know each other from way back when we were both trainers for Tony Robbins. We were, both of us, I don't know if we had gotten the designation master trainer yet at the time or whatever it was, but we were working on the training staff with Tony back in the early 90s. When did you start? 1990. That okay. was my first. Yeah. yeah. So I was there from like 87, 88 till, um, till 95. And you started in 90. And how long did you stick around, Tony Robbins? Well, I, I was head trainer and master trainer. Uh, did the, um, um, the program that Joseph's doing now, the Living Health, um, for a couple of years. Uh, and then just did uh, the master training work um, for about six more years. So I think I stopped traveling with them in 1997. But then I was doing my own clients. And then Tony opened a coaching uh, division of his company. So I uh, coached his Latin partners and master elite clients for about 15 years. Uh, and uh, then I got too many private clients uh, to take as many as they needed you to take. So about 15 years from what you just said is probably close to, what, 2015 or so? Uh, just about, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Long time. So that's amazing. So you, you were – Tony started a coaching division of his company. Is that, that what yeah. you said? So yeah. what did what what was your job? How did that work? Was it a telephone coaching gig or what was it? Uh... All telephone, and it was very cool because uh, it gave you access to people all over the world. I have had and have now some people who found me after that clients in Australia. In fact, this afternoon I have someone from 
Port Hedland, Australia at four o'clock my time, which is 7 a.m. her time tomorrow. But all over the world, they were all on the phone. They were from half an hour to an hour uh, clients. And the thing that I loved about it is that you got to see them over and over and over, partly because Tony's strategy was keep them coaching because that's how you get really good at something. Um, one of the things that you and I both know is information does not equal transformation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we can read a book, we can have somebody tell us you're going to be fine. We can say we're going to be fine. And, you know, two days, two hours, two weeks later, the old pattern comes back unless we haven't done some of the really powerful things like the hypnotic process and the NLP process. Those keep um, bringing that in your brain. But if not, like uh, as Tony was doing for his coaching, you had them for a long time. And the thing that was extraordinary about that is you got to move them from the information, which was brilliant that Tony gave in a zillion different ways uh, in a workshop, you got to move with them almost like you were a tennis coach. You know, you don't take somebody with great um, potential and give them a month at tennis camp and then expect them to be, you know, a class A player. You need that follow-up. And what I saw with that was the brilliance of the potential for coaching to change people's lives forever, not just solve a little problem in the moment, you know, really change people's lives forever, which of course changed everybody's life that they touched and changed our lives. I mean, how amazing. Uh, one of my clients uh, that didn't come from Robbins, but came because uh, just before Robbins had their coaching company, somebody was referred to me. Uh, he's from Sweden and um, lives in Gibraltar. I just finished my 85th trip to Gibraltar oh uh, really? a months ago. And when he first called, he's this little Swedish guy. Can you come to Gibraltar? He says, and I said, sure, and got off the phone and said, Where's Gibraltar? Where's Gibraltar? <laughs> of, course, of course, I'm coming. But, but those are the kinds of things that that I think are spectacular about being able to coach for long periods of time. Yeah. You can really move somebody beyond where they could even imagine. Yeah, move them all the way to Gibraltar. I mean, I can't imagine. <laughs> <Gibraltar>. <laughs> How does that happen? <laughs> oh, no. Wow, that's so interesting. So when when you started in 1990, was Tony still doing – no, he wasn't still doing NLP. He was he had evolved yeah. it to NAC or something at that point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had just been uh, requested to go out of NLP. I think the first year, 1990, uh, we were still doing the NLP program, but the next year he changed it to NAC. Well, he changed it to NCS first. I don't know if you remember that. Um, Neuro no. code systems. Yes, Neuro code systems was one year. Uh, and yes, and then he changed it to uh, NAC after that. But so I'm curious because I I wasn't around. I stopped my uh, association in 1990. Um, so the coaching thing for him came after my time there. When you did coaching for him, was it sort of expected to follow a certain you know Tony Robbins? prescription of coaching? Was was there a, a program that you put people through? That's a great, great question. That's one of the things that I loved about working with Tony and a couple of other companies that I worked with in that um, they did not 
have a prescribed um, program strategy mm -hmm. other than here's their problem. How do you figure out how to move them beyond it and and get them good in the new habit of the new the new thoughts and then actions? So he did not have that. I would not have been that happy with him if I had, because one of the things that I believe about becoming a great coach or great at anything is the most important thing that you can do is number one, continue to learn, and number two, practice what you learn. And if if I had had a a strategy that I had to check off the boxes, mm -hmm. I, mean, I wouldn't have been happy because with you know with the ICF, I mean, and a bunch of other things, I've had 400 million. Never trust me when I tell you. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So your numbers are. <laughs> if we've gone from a zillion to 400 billion, it's like yeah, that's nothing. It's relative on how big it feels. <laughs> Tons of CEUs. Yeah, so tons and, is much closer. Tons of CEUs, yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and each time I learn something that I think is spectacular, it goes right into my coaching. Okay, and, cool. Yeah. So uh, when did you do the ICF, International Coaching Federation? When, did, when Was that? Was I, the, I'm going to say that was probably 1993, 94. Um, I, it was before they had a standard for um, the the process that you had to go through, uh, and it's a it's a big process for MCC. But I had to get uh, a whole bunch of uh, Tony people and people who'd seen me uh, work to write recommendations for me and things of that sort. But it was worth it. I mean, if you're doing corporate work. Mm -hmm. uh, I think having a certification is really important. There are a number of, of uh, organizations that uh, require you to have some kind of certification. Okay, cool. So um, you got that in the 90s, and then you started um, coaching people outside of the Tony Robbins organization. So you'd sort of developed your own way of doing coaching. that You'd learned kind of through them. And then when you got hired by Tony – was it the same? You just continued the same way of coaching or did you add it, make it any different because there were Tony Robbins people coming? No. By that time, I had already been coaching mostly in person from, you know, people who were referrals in my of friends and friends of friends. And, you know, all of us hopefully are, are working on, on growing ourselves. Um, um, but the process was still the same. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, the real brilliance of the Robbins organization was that the people who were in charge of coaching looked at results. They looked at the um, comment sheets that came in, you know, like every six months on what kind of progress people had made and whether they were really happy and they re-enrolled. If they did that, then how they were doing it was great. Cool. Right. So I'm just curious the um, the level of NLP and things that you put into your coaching. How how significant is NLP? And let me ask you this: When we f first started doing NLP back in the early '90s, um, 
late 80s, early 90s, we didn't know it was called coaching. It wasn't called coaching. It was just NLP. Yeah. We were just doing NLP therapies. Uh, therapy was a word that was actually used. We did an NLP therapy for people. Um, and when you do coaching like over the phone with people, do you take people through an NLP process ever? Do you do hypnosis with people? I mean, where, do you mix the kind of therapy with the coaching Yes, and I'm going to say that I'm a little bit sneaky, <laughs> meaning that I don't say, okay, here we're going to do a, a therapeutic session. Right. I say, you know, well, here's one of the cool things about beliefs is that, you know, they're like, they're like driving the car. If your old belief is driving the car and you're going the wrong place, let's change the beliefs. So I'm doing reframing. <laughs> yeah. But um but but I call it different things and I don't do as much uh closed eye hypnosis uh as I used to in person and I still do with, with some people, especially children. I get children of clients every once in a while. But you just said in person. Do you you you, you do coaching in person or is it all over the phone still? It's all over the phone, except if, like, I'm in uh, trips to Gibraltar and Spain, uh -huh. Uh -huh. You know, places like that. But I still do a little bit of closed eye, depending upon what kind of issue the person's uh, dealing with. Sometimes somebody's very ill or um, uh, somebody's died or, you know, and then I will do some closed eye stuff. But mostly I weave it in as a reframe. Uh, I think Milton would be very proud of me, actually. Mm. Because I'm very sneaky. I love those wonderful books that you guys uh, introduced me to, where one of my favorites was when somebody walked out of a session with him. You'll correct it for the accuracy. But my memory is they walked out and said, oh, it was about smoking. I, why I? He taught me nothing. And then two weeks later, he said, well, I've stopped smoking, but it wasn't melted. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did it all on my own. Yeah. That, had, that thing had nothing to do with it. Yeah. Um, it's amazing when that happens. I, I would say to you that I think one of the most powerful things that I learned, which I learned very intensely for those uh, few years, uh, four years that I was six years that I was doing a lot of the Tony programs, but the first three years was pretty uh, deeply into NLP. That's one of the most powerful things that I learned. Um, I don't call it NLP. I don't call it therapy, mm -hmm. but I walk people through it. Um, and that has created a, um, a base of what I would say is competence in ability to know that um, that and uh, to be able to move people to a different place. Now, you've been very successful in coaching as far as, you know, any pretty much any measure of coaching is concerned. Um, you have made uh, a gazillion dollars, would you say? Is it uh, $400 billion? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> Compared to what I thought I could make, it's a bazillion. A bazillion. That's but, a lot of money. But um, the thing that's so interesting is that that just continuing to work at, at the beginning, I probably made, you know, forty, fifty thousand. 
but in the last maybe eight or so years, not this year, because I, I got mold, mold toxicity and had to move and et cetera, et cetera. But, but up till then I was making over 200,000 and um, not being crazy, you know, not mm -hmm. working 400 hours a day. Um, How many but, hours a day did you work? What was your typical schedule? Good question. Mostly four hours, sometimes five hours a day, which means mostly uh, I prefer to do our session. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of people uh, at Robbins and a lot of other places that do half hour sessions. My personal belief is that in a half an hour, you can touch the surface, what I call the down on the ground. <laughs> I, I think of, of my consciousness as, as having altitudes. So the 30,000 foot view is like the airplane view. That's the big view. You need to know where we're going. 10,000 is like from a uh, helicopter. And we've got a, a vision of that, but we're also more conscious of down on the ground. And then there's down on the ground. You gotta do down on the ground. But in a half an hour, often my experience was you could get a lot of the details of the down on the ground, what they did and how they felt at the moment. But you couldn't get that that deep underneath place where they start to go deeper and deeper, and then you share some thoughts, and then they you ask some questions. That that to me took an, that extra half hour to let that go, and then to build that that last piece up to. Uh, help them feel uh, motivated and enthusiastic about moving to the next place. Fascinating. Yeah. And I'm just curious, to, if I recall correctly, and I may not, but it seemed like there was in the Robin's um, way of doing coaching, um, like introductory forms that they had to take, a like an entry um, I still use assessment. Those. Was it, sorry? Yeah, I still use those. They have They have forms that, you know, basically say, who are you? what what's your goal what's holding you back you know and then a, a little bit deeper information about who's influenced you and i and thought there was like a whole personality assessment or something like a disc series or something. Uh, now they use a disc uh and they don't use one of my favorite ones i have two favorite ones um depending upon whether somebody's talking about business or uh or just personal growth um, um one of my favorites is called uh, Strength Finders, Strength Finders 2.0. comes out of the Gallup Corporation, and it's very, very good. And it's um, it's it's got catchy phrases. There's a book called Strength Finders 2.0, which which talks a lot about it. The business one that I like uh, particularly is called Standout 2.0, um, and that is written by a guy named Marcus Buckingham who I worked for his company for uh, a long time, actually, but he used to be uh, a co-author of the Strength Finders uh, assessment, and he was at Gallup for a number of years. Um, so, and and I like DISC, um, because DISC is kind of a 30,000 foot view, mm -hmm. or a style, um, when you get stressed or, you know, in your not stressed time. So I like that. Uh, a lot, so I do use assessments, but I also have a little questionnaire that comes goes out. Okay, cool. Now, the reason I was asking that is because I, I, every now and again, I've gotten people that have 
come to me for coaching who came through Tony Robbins and, and see that I was a Tony Robbins trainer or whatever, whatever, however it happens. They've come to me after going through some coaching with the Robbins organization. And a few times they've brought with them, you know, their you know, multiple page assessment that they got with their personality traits. And there's a, there's a round thing with little pie charts of where different strengths were and different weaknesses were places where they could, um, they could do with um, strengthening. Let's put it that way. Um, so I just assumed there was some sort of thing like that that was kind of standard procedure in the Robbins coaching world. I, I don't know. It is. Um, not everybody uses it. I like it because there are a lot of people who, when you share with them some mm-hmm. um, well scientifically um, researched programs, yeah. their brains go, okay, I get this. Okay, I get this. This is not just BS. <laughs> because in the old, old, old days, when I first started coaching, if I would get on a plane going someplace and somebody said, what do you do? And I'd say, I'm a coach. And they'd look at me like, you don't look like a basketball coach. <laughs> <laughs> so then I started saying life coach and executive coach. And, um, and those were true things. But there was a place at which that consciousness shift shifted and people are going, oh, really? Well, let me tell you about my problem, <laughs> <laughs> which is very cool. I love that. Nick, Nick. Yeah. Thank you. So that's very, very interesting. And, and I'm just curious, now that you're done with Tony Robbins' stuff, um, you, you're on your own, you're, you've been doing coaching. Is, is it shifted? Does it change? Do you do it more, you know, have you, imprinted your own style in an hour or was it always kind of your own style pretty much always my own style you know it's it's a little bit difficult to uh, look at uh, 2020 um, because i had a major mold infestation in my house in 2020 i had to be out of my house for almost six months if they Uh remodeled it and then i had it in my body and i'm still getting like ivs uh it's a crazy thing you know, the genetic test. It turns out I'm more susceptible than the average bear to. Really? To yeah. But, but what you can see is with the consciousness that, oops, this is annoying as we move to that next place. It's not, it's not overwhelming. It's just, you know, annoying for the moment. So, so this year, uh, is hard to say, but I have a personal belief that all quantum leaps are preceded by mental chaos and seeming catastrophe. And um, so the mold, the, you know, all of those kinds of things, the moving out of my house, the COVID, the, you know, not being able to go to Europe for clients and stuff like that. What that has done for me is, uh, is a small uh, portion of what it's done for Tony. Tony kind of went, oh my gosh, how, I can't do things the way I used to do them. So how am I going to do it? And, and they're coming up with some pretty spectacular ways of his doing the work that he loves, reaching a lot of people and making a bunch of money. So one of the things that, that I have had people say to me for years is you need to put out a program. You need to write a book on this. You need to, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And because I had so many uh, private clients at the moment, I just wasn't doing it. Um, mm-hmm. 
But now I am uh, in the process of putting together a group um, program um, and, um, and again, learning how to do that um, and doing some writing and things of that sort. And at the same time, in some funny little ways, this time has been had more private clients than normal because they're all stressed. Yeah. They're like, help, wait, come back. Yeah. Do you think that, do you feel that as a, as a woman in coaching that there's been a, a difference between the kind of work you do or the clients you attract or whatever? Has it been a, a, an extra challenge as a coach to, as a woman? You know, that's a great question. And I will say this, because I am older than the average woman who might be doing this, mm -hmm. and because I used to be a lawyer, and I got a little bit of the lawyer's voice in there sometimes. Um, I think it, I think I notice it less than uh, the average person would. However, we do have unconscious bias about a whole bunch of things. And at one of the unconscious biases for most of us is that, that men are more competent. Um, so as a woman, just like, you know, if I get a, a woman doctor, I'm like, all right, girl, because that means she's just, you know, gone through everything uh, and, and has really worked on it. Um, but I do think that there is a bias. That said, as you know, and I know, and I'm sure all your people know, if I were to hold that consciousness, that holds me back. So my consciousness is, uh, let me be an example of and share with you and, and get referrals from people who uh, will be saying, wow, it, you know, I really made some huge progress. And as long as I've got that, then I believe the consciousness that I will put out will be, oh, wow, she's interesting. Mm -hmm. He said something interesting, yeah. But I do think that's out there. I think it's an unconscious bias. I think it's shifting, um, but it it takes a while if we're not really attempting to uh, get an awareness and then shift to another consciousness to to do that um, sort of uh, in that kind of slow way that generations do. Right. Yeah. So what would you say to a person who's wanting to start off in coaching? Like how, what would be the best approach for them to learn to get to the, maybe not to the skill level that you're at, but to a place of competence enough that they could be a, a good productive coach? That's, that's a great question. And the, the first part of my answer is a, uh, an Instagram post that I saw today and then just posted on two of my Facebook sites. And it was an interview with Jeff Bezos. And he was basically saying, you know, people don't recognize it, but, but everything I do has been start small. And he called it uh, day one mentality. He mm. said, he said, the thing that you have to do is, he said, at one point, there were three people that were Amazon employees. Now there's a half a million. Hmm. He, said, 
He said, I remember at the beginning when I was taking all these packages down to the post office myself to mail them. And he said, the thing is, which is something we know, if, if you're trying to be perfect, you will just never step out there. Uh, there's a wonderful woman named Carol Dweck who wrote a book uh, called Mindset. She's from Stanford and you've probably run into it, but talks about the difference in the ability to follow through with a growth mindset where you go, wow, that was a mistake. Okay, what can I learn from that? Or, oh shoot, you know, I did a terrible job. And, and he is a perfect example of somebody who sort of celebrates what you and I would call mistakes, which a lot of people will call failure. Um, and so one of the things that I would say for new coaches or even coaches wanting to move to the next level is you're going to be outside your comfort zone. It's going to feel difficult uh, and find ways to inspire yourself. There's a cool book called Alter Ego uh, about getting like uh, even comic superheroes, you know, that you, that you kind of pull on at certain moments, but find ways to keep yourself inspired because all these people that are super successful have started small, that they had the day one mentality. Um, and every once in a while, people will say to me, what's your best advice about, you know, anything, coaching or anything. And, and my response is, I think the most valuable investment any of us can ever make is in growing ourselves. First learning, but learning is not just, it's information, not transformation. Mm -hmm. And then second, practicing it until it becomes habit, which is sort of what's happened to me with, with NLP. I it slides in and out of, of some uh, other kind of processes. But, you know, people will buy a car or they'll redo their bathroom and um, the car immediately depreciates. <laughs> Um, but when you go and you learn something and then you work on it, and for me, teaching it uh, is one of the coolest ways for me to learn it. But <laughs> when you do that, that will grow your life hugely. Okay, and great. Right with your question. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's fantastic. So it starts from learning and then it has to do with practicing until you get it to be like just in your bones. And learning the the piece that says uh, start small, day one mentality. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So starts. How how does that apply to coaching? How would a person start small with coaching? Coaching their 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 dog, coaching their somebody on the streets. Um. Well, I believe that dog coaching and people coaching are very similar. <laughs> in that. That's true, actually. In that, the only way to properly train an animal is to catch them doing something right, an approximation of it, and, and phrase it, phrase it, phrase it. Catch them doing something that you don't want and shift them quickly and then praise them for that. People are the same. But um, so the, to me, the way that applies to coaching is understand that you're starting small. What does small mean? I, I can remember it after some of the Robbins program, I, I was coaching two people in my 
you know, den in my house. Mm -hmm. uh, and probably the first four or five months, I, I wasn't even charging for it. I had mm -hmm. no idea that I could charge for it. And then somebody you know, Deborah Russell, mm -hmm. uh, Deborah Russell said to me, how much money are you making? I said, $250 a week. <laughs> went, That's not enough. And I went, oh, okay. So then you start to grow that next piece. Yeah. If I had thought that the only way to be good would be to be making 5,000 a month, I would have given up. Yeah. But, you know, circumstances made it so that that I thought 250 a week was a good deal until Deborah Russell said, not enough. <laughs> yeah, I sometimes tell people I had an advantage that I came from a field of being a musician because I was used to having no money. It was, wow. was, it was not a problem for me to say, oh, yeah, I made $250 this week. It's really great, isn't it? It's like <laughs> and that was after I stopped practicing law. So I was wow. like, I don't know why that seemed like a big deal to me, but it was just my sharing something with somebody who was uplifted and they gave me money for it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so oh. that was great. That's great advice. And um, today, if somebody wants to uh, be successful as a coach, what would you say, you know, being that this is the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast, and this has maybe already been answered, but I, I feel a need to actually articulate it the way I've articulated it for other people. What would you say is an essential coaching skill for somebody who really wants to be like the best coach that they can be? What What is like, you got to have this. What's the that's going to make them smart. Most people who go into coaching, the absolute essential is you need to care about people and care about what moves them forward or backwards. Because if you don't understand that, um, then you're not going to be able to help them. And if you don't care about them, you're not going to continue moving forward. But I think the next piece I would say is just start. And then invest in yourself. The ICF has a zillion references to classes and, you know, there are a zillion books and almost all the good ones have classes. I would say continue to do that forever. And, and even if you're working your, you know, day job until you get, um, a, a, a flow with it. That's all that matters because you're moving yourself to a different place. No matter what's going on in my life, if I got somebody that, that I can coach, I, I am out of whatever problem it is and into, you know, lifting. Right. Uh, so, so certainly having the, the vision, the, the, the mission in life to understand yourself and others and uplift them. And then continuing to learn and practice is, uh, I think, essential. Uh, and NLP for me was uh, a gigantic piece that allowed me to have, you know, that 30,000 foot view of, right. Right. of what motivates people. Beautiful. And yeah, you know, it's interesting. A uh, long time ago when I was learning NLP, um, I think it was Greg Gibson. Yes. Who taught me, he said that there's a real shortcut to the, um, to, to, uh, what do they call them? Sorry. Um, 
rapport skills. You said there's a shortcut to rapport skills. You, you don't really need to worry about matching and mirroring and do all these other things. If you have this one shortcut, you'll be fine. He said the trick is to actually care about the other person. That if you can, if you do that, if you actually care, then, you know, everything else just sort of, you know, falls into place. That's one of the criticisms of things like NLP, because sometimes people will try to break it down to, you know, ask the right questions, uh, um, uh, give the same languaging that they use. But but you will do that naturally if you care. And if you don't care, but you're doing all those things, something inside somebody's head goes liar, liar, pants on. You know, they, they sense that. Right. Very cool. And so in addition to the question that I, I traditionally ask people on this podcast is that I've just asked you is uh, the other question is, what would be an essential skill for somebody? And again, you might have answered this already with your start small advice, etc. But um, to be successful as a coach, um, you know, successful in our own to be able to make more than $250 and, you know, get to a level like you were making $200,000 a year. Um, what, what is an essential skill for a person to be successful in biz, in their own business as a coach? Well, that's a slightly different question to me. And um, because I work for Tony's company and some other companies, I'm just getting better at this skill that I'm going to talk to you about. But you have to stay in contact with your people. Um, and we are in an age with, the way um, the internet is where you can do that really, really, really easy. These days, you know, at least most of my clients are either once a week or once every two weeks, but at least um, twice a month, I send out an email to them referencing something that we talked about. And it's in my files. Uh, I still take handwritten files. but it's in my files, you know, how are you doing with this? You're on my mind. Because otherwise, you do what I started to do when when I left Robbins, which was just do my sessions, but not stay in touch. We're in these extraordinary times where we have access to people. And a number of times, I just take some, you know, wonderful little video that I found someplace and put the link to that to somebody. Because now they know you care. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I would say that the business skills for yourself is, um, is something that I'm, I'm just learning to get really good at now. But it does involve staying in touch with people, doing the kinds of things that you're doing with your podcast, with things that you can then uh, share with people about billions. Um, and I think that's super important. And I was not particularly good at that. I would often bill my clients around the middle of the month instead of the first of the month. And, and I would have clients going, you didn't bill me yet. I'm like, I know I'm going to get to it. <laughs> that's not a good thing to do for a business. <laughs> and how do you do that? Is it something, do you have a, a, an app for that? Is there a... Um, great question. Um no, I used to have an assistant for that, <laughs> but, um, but now um, there are a number of, of secure credit card companies. Um, one I use is called Stripe, um, and uh, all you have to do is put the client in, you put the billing information in, and they will send a secure note to the client. Client 
puts it in, Stripe lets you know that they've paid. Uh, and if they haven't paid in however many days you put down there, they send them a reminder. Okay. Uh, and, and But as far as uh, also just keeping in touch with people, do you, do you use an app for that or is it you just... I just do it myself. Uh, but if somebody knows of an app, let me know because <laughs> that. But, but I don't. I don't know of any apps, but I know that people. Uh, I, I know I've heard people say that they use this um, organizing system or uh, reminder system or that organizing system reminder system that that they that it's something they really rely on. I, I could I, I could probably find it if we could take a break i'll go through my notes from past things but i don't remember what they are exactly i don't do that either i don't have an app but it's i do agree it is essential i mean really essential and something again i could certainly be better at to keep in touch with people along the way because that's well, those little things that really make a big difference one of the people that that um is a client of mine in in some ways uh, he's got uh, Maybe it's an app, but I think it's an assistant, but somebody that, <clears throat> pardon me, sends out a notice that says, you know, I'm not sure you're on Chad's calendar for that. That to me is just like blah, 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 blah. It's a reminder. It does right. not let them or me know that, um, that you're really on my mind and that I care. Right, so, right, right. Uh, I think if you start getting hundreds of clients, somebody else has to do that for you, but. You know, I've usually got 20 to 35, um, and um, and then uh, it's it's pretty easy to spend an hour and a half going through you know, my notes or to make a note at the top of the page to uh, of a particular issue that I'll just you know send a, a two sentence um, email. Just, do, you, you know. do you book some office hours for yourself to do that sort of thing? Do you? Uh... Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I use just the same thing you do. I use Acuity and, um, and I've got different colors of things. And the color for, you know, for me, um, is a different color than the color for client sessions. But yeah, if I don't schedule it out, now that's down on the ground stuff. If I don't schedule right. it out, it don't, won't get done. <laughs> right. Right. You know, when you talk about those, that 30,000 foot, view and stuff in the 10,000 view. I remember I, I first heard that concept, um, maybe you were there at the same time, from Stephen Covey at one of the Tony Robbins events. And um, he was, it was a really funny moment where he said, okay, everybody close your eyes and point to true north. Where is true north? And everybody, you know, <laughs> pointed in different directions. <laughs> Some people were pointing at the ceiling. Um, it was just like, uh, and they said, open your eyes and look around. It's like oh, gasps that sounded. <laughs> Nobody is pointing in the same direction. And probably very few people were right. Just if they were, it was by chance. But um, but the idea is that, you know, knowing where true north is means that you know where you're going in your life. You know, you need to be heading in the right direction or else your your efforts are for naught. So he said, you know, to get up to that 30,000 viewpoint, so you know you're going the right direction, then come down to the levels where you can actually say, okay, what's my day-to-day -day strategy? And then get down on the ground and start actually doing those things. And those are, you know, very important distinctions. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's a really, it's, it's a, yeah. one of the things Covey also said is that if you're going to make a, a choice, put something on your to-do list or whatever, don't just put it on a to-do list, put it in your calendar. Say when specifically 
am I going to do that and make an appointment with yourself, if you will, to, you know, do that thing at, you know, two o'clock on Tuesday or, you know, eight o'clock in the morning, Monday through Friday or whatever it might be. Yeah. yeah. I will say I do that, although um, if it's a person, a client, I'm on track. If it's for me, sometimes it'll slide by <laughs> something else. Right. But, but it's on there, and I do it way more than if it weren't on there. Right, right, right. right. So, yeah. right. Very cool. Very cool. Wonderful. Gosh, I could talk to you all day. Um, and it's really it's, the thing I also I love about talking with you and, and people such as yourself that have been doing it is it's not just theory. It's not just a something you learned from a book. I mean, you've been on the ground doing this with people for years, many a zillion, I think, years, probably or a billion. Very close. Very yeah. close. And, and you're like super, super good at it. And that's where it comes from. I think, you know, the the practice, as you said, learning the stuff, but um, practicing it and practicing it so that you really can help a person get from just information to transformation. And I certainly have seen a lot of times when I was working for Tony, I get referrals from from people because they'd, they'd call up Robin's research or call up Tony Robbins' organization and, and say, I, I, I took the seminar and I'm stuck. I can't do anything. I need to talk to Tony personally. I said, well, uh, you can't, but, um, <laughs> but, but here's Doug's number. You can call him. And so I'd get referrals from, from Robin's research in that way. And, um, yeah, a lot of times, you know, it was like this, they had lots of information and they kept thinking, if I get more information, then I'm going to be okay. And it wasn't really about that. It was how do you, apply that information and make those changes and, you know, put it in your calendar and make this a, a system that you do things with that gets you, you know, gets you the traction to get going in life. 100%. And, um, and Greg Gibson said something to me a zillion years ago that <laughs> always comes back. Um, and, uh, you know, he was kind of a smart aleck. I love that about okay. him. And he said, I already know that is the sound that keeps you stupid. Oh, yeah. I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> already know that. Uh, because it's not, it's information. It's not transformation. Right. And transformation doesn't happen. I kind of do a, a four levels of where people go from like a beginner to, you know, it's a habit. Um, and, um, and, Transformation doesn't really happen until like the end of the third stage or the fourth stage. And then just like you're asking me about NLP, it's like, well, I do. How, how do I, you know, because it, it becomes part of my consciousness, not part of a, something that I'm learning and, and pulling out as a, as a trick, some people would say. Um, but it's, it, it was a huge part of of, um, of my starting coaching. So what, what are those four levels? I'm curious. There's the beginner and... Um, um, you would know it as um, conscious incompetence, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, some of the businesses call it different kinds of things. I call it the enthusiastic beginner. Yay, I'm in coaching. And the frustrated learner, oh, this, you know, is just horrible. I'm either you're horrible as the teacher or I'm horrible. I'll never learn it. That's the dangerous space. That's the place where we give up. Um, um, and that is a, a big 
uncomfortable space. The third space I call the advanced learning, which is where we've got it pretty much, but um, we only have it when we're thinking about it, when we're conscious of it. So um, distress or distraction will take us out of confidence. In California, when I got a driver's license years ago, you know, when you were 16 and you passed the test, you got it. What they discovered was 16-year-olds driving with people who were 16 or younger had way more accidents mm -hmm. than 17-year-olds. And they discovered this piece. And what they found was that they would get distracted, you know, playing, doing, laughing, whatever. And they would blow the lights. They would do a whole bunch of things that they didn't know. So now the rule in California is um, once you've got your license and you're 16, you can drive just fine. But if you've got somebody younger than 16 or younger, um, then you have to have somebody uh, 17 or older in the car because <laughs> they've got it more at what I call the peak performer level, which is habit. Uh, That's the fourth level. It's the peak performer. Oh, interesting. Uh, and, and, when people understand those kinds of things and they understand why they get stuck, because probably 80% of us in the developed world get stuck in the frustrated learner stage. Um, and, and it's because we have kind of a perfectionist mindset as opposed to a growth mindset. When they get that, they're going like, oh, you know, I have a client who many times said to me, I can't wait to see what you're going to do with this today. <laughs> like, what happened? You know, and, but once she starts to get that awareness, now it lifts her out of the place that says, I'm a mess, you know, I'm horrible, I'm lost forever too. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm just holding the racket, learning to play tennis wrong, you know, as I get that shift. That changes everything, and you know, because that's you, know, you, you just mentioned something really quickly in passing that I think is really kind of essential, which is to have a, a growth mindset as opposed to a perfectionist mindset. I mean, you, you toss that off just like nothing, but that's that's critical, isn't oh. it? <laughs> right? That, that, that's that uh, um, woman from Stanford, she wrote a book called Mindset, Carol Dweck, 30 oh. years ago. Because what she was looking at was they did assessments of kids who were to see who had high potential. Um, and then when they uh, followed them out longitudinally, they found that most of them didn't reach their potential. And Carol was like, hmm, are we misassessing them or are we messing them up along the way? What she found is we're messing them up along the way. Uh, and it's brilliant. But when people start to understand this, they're like, okay, I'm just stuck in an old mindset instead of really getting the, you know, emotional whirlpool download. Um, and she's done a ton, a ton of work on it. A lot of people, um, are teaching her process, but she was from Stanford like 30 years ago. She started working on this. And NLP's known this kind of thing forever, but she's uh, famous in the educational community with it. But without that, we will give up. We will think we're idiots or, you know, whatever. There's no way, Doug, that I could have told you that, you know, 20 years ago, 
30 years ago when I ran into Tony, when I just stopped practicing law in my proper legal uniform, et cetera, that, that, you know, 20 years later, 30 years later, I'd be sitting with, you know, my Lululemon workout pants on, uh, on a phone talking to somebody in Australia making $200,000 a year. No way. And that's one of the things that I think is spectacular about coaching because in my view, everybody that comes to me has got a problem down on the ground. Maybe 10,000, uh, but almost anybody who, is, who stays and will do the work, they will over time say, no possible way I could have imagined. That How long do you use, usually work with a particular individual? Almost, I will sometimes let people in for like six months, but a year is minimum, and that guy, a uh, Swedish guy from um, Gibraltar that I worked with, I worked with him and his company and his children and uh, and the people that he works with for like 25, 23 years now. Because every time they move to the next level, and you know this, moving outside your comfort zone. Okay, you got that. What's next? Hmm. You know, hmm. uh, Gain 20 pounds because it's really stressful. Okay, what's the next place of growth to the magnificence of you? Um, and um, and so those are places where people will say, I had no idea how magnificent my life could be. Wow, that's beautiful. That's, yeah, we're very lucky. We are very lucky in the work we get to do. And so are your people that, you know, that are into into coaching especially new into coaching how awesome yeah truly well thank you so much if, if, if somebody wanted to get hold of you if they want to find mimi peak how do they how do they do that where's a good way of um, they can contact me at mimi m-i-m-i at mimi peak m-i-m-i-p-e-a-k dot com or my website is peak experiences coaching dot com or uh, one of the Facebook pages is Heroes Journey Mentoring. Heroes Journey Mentoring? Yeah, mentoring, cool. yeah. Heroes Journey Mentoring. So peakexperiencescoaching.com? Mm -hmm. Beautiful. They can also get that same place at mimipeak.com. Mimipeak.com, yeah. Right. Excellent. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being here, Mimi. It's so wonderful to see you again and hear your enthusiasm and your wisdom and your uh, bazillion years of experience that you've been sharing with us. Bazillion stories. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to catch up with you at some other time soon. Well, yeah. Do that. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. Stay well. Yeah. See you. Bye. Bye. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for joining me. If you want any more information about today's show, please visit our website at www.essentialcoachingskills.com. Be sure to tune in again next week for our next episode and discover even more about the systems and the secrets that set the best apart.